Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. Seven checkpoints on your way to divine healing. I started this out on Tuesday by going through three checkpoints, and we're going to do the four other checkpoints We're going to do the four other checkpoints today, but I'm just going to run through the first three checkpoints that we did on Tuesday, because the reason why I go through these checkpoints is because when you light up a Christmas tree, if if ever you've been given the task, the responsibility in lighting up a Christmas tree, and you have to put all those bulbs on, and there's like a thousand bulbs, and you're, 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 intricately involved in making it so that it's in the right place and everything's beautiful and dazzling and then when it comes time to plug it in you plug it in and there's no light that comes forth and oftentimes the reason why is not because there's no current in the wall that's trying to reach your tree it's uh, the, the lights on your tree most often than not it's because there's a loose connection on one of the bulbs And the moment, and that's why it's a pain in in the rear end, because you have to like go through a thousand bulbs to find which bulb is the one that's not connected right, which which one has a loose connection. And the moment you identify and locate it, and then you tighten that loose connection, all of a sudden, like magic, it just flows in, and your tree is glowing and bright and glistening, and it's a wonderful Christmas, Christmas morning for you. However, you have to locate that loose connection. It's the same way in Christianity, in, in, in ministering the power of God to people. A lot of times there are loose connections. It's not that God's not trying to do something. It's not that God's power is not available. Matter of fact, let me read 2 Peter chapter 1, a scripture that I love. Uh, and it's going to show you that it's, God's power is more than available to you. But just because God is all-powerful in heaven, it does you no good unless you know how to tap in to that power. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So you see, grace and peace, God desires to give you grace and peace. Grace is an empowering force that allows you to operate with divine ability and effectiveness. Grace is an empowering force that allows you to operate with divine ability and effectiveness. But that grace, though it's available to you, Peter says that it comes to you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So peace is available. And that word peace is shalom. It's it's total wholeness. That's why John, in 3 John verse 2, The Bible says, Beloved, I would that you would prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. I would that you would prosper, prosper financially and be in good health. That you would, you you wouldn't be sick a day day in your life. God's will, if you're tuning into this broadcast and you're sick today, I want to tell you the onset of this broadcast, God's will is to heal you today. God desires to minister his power. When Jesus came and died at the cross, he didn't go straight to the cross. He stopped at a whipping post. When he did that, when he took those lashes on his back, he purchased 
physical healing for you and for me. Some of you have heard my testimony. Some of you haven't. When I got saved, I, I though I had I had been saved, though I I left a life of drunkenness and drug abuse and all those things, and you know, just messed up immorality. I. I had developed something when I was 12, 13 years old, years old called obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD, which is an incurable disorder. There's no known cure uh, to man. Man can't, does not have a, a, a solution to it. There's no pill that they can throw at you that totally gets rid of OCD. There's no treatment that you can give someone with OCD and help them you know, get rid of it totally. You know, there's like bandages that they can put on you that just prevent the bleeding from bleeding so much. But the actual cure, the actual ridding of that disease, that mental disorder is not available to men. The, the, nobody knows how to get rid of it. They can do shock treatment. They can give you a little elastic band that you put on your wrist and you pinch yourself three times a day as you, as you have negative thoughts and whatnot, but depression, OCD, schizophrenia, all those things. There's no physical cure known to man to rid you of those things. However, with man, things are impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible to him that believes. I want you to write that in the comment section. With God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. There's nothing you're facing right now. There's no sickness in your body. That the blood that was shed through the stripes that came on Jesus' back cannot blast off your life here and now. God is not waiting for tomorrow to minister healing to your body. God is not going to be more powerful tomorrow than he is today. God will not be more great tomorrow than he is today. God will not be more willing to heal you tomorrow than he is willing to heal you today. But you have to plug in by faith. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2, that the gospel was preached unto them even as it was preached unto us. But it did not profit them that heard it not being mixed with faith. So just hearing that God will and God can heal you is not enough. There has to be faith that comes alive in your heart where you don't, you don't only believe with your heart, but you begin to confess with your mouth that this sickness that's in my body, it comes out today. That I'm enough is enough. I was not created for disease. When God made Adam in the Garden of Eden, he did not create Adam with sickness in his body. He did not create Adam with disease in his mind. He didn't create Adam with schizophrenia or multiple cirrhosis or any type of fibromyalgia. Adam didn't have to go and check his blood pressure every three weeks to see if he was on pace for, for you know, for, to not have a heart attack. Adam didn't have clogged arteries. Adam did not have any of those things. When Adam fell, sin entered the world and death through sin. But when Christ came, just like the Siamese twins of hell are sickness and sin, when Christ came, he brought the Siamese twins of heaven, which is righteousness and healing. Let me tell you something. And if this is all you get embedded in your spirit today from this broadcast then it's more than enough when Christ hung on that cross at Calvary sin and sickness and disease and poverty came from me and was transferred over to him sin sickness and poverty was transferred from me to Calvary but from Calvary 
came health, righteousness, and all of God's riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Health, righteousness, and riches was transferred from Calvary to me so that you don't have to stay sick another day in your life. Because the Bible says, let me continue on reading. His divine power. This is post-Christ. This is after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and Peter's trying to get to the church that he's speaking to right now. This epistle. He's trying to get it in their minds. That you're not a weak, defeated being. You're not some, uh, you know, some pitiable creature that the world looks at you and should, uh, you know... They're, they're, but at least they're faithful Christians, you know. You know, in all this, they never, they never lost their smile. No, the Bible says His divine power has given to us. Given. God's not trying to hold back His divine power. God is more than ready to get that divine power into your life today. So that you, just like Jesus, the Son of God, was made manifest to destroy the work of the devil. That the work of the devil, the Bible says, No doubt you know of Jesus of Nazareth, who was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good, healing all, that were oppressed of the devil. God, because God was with him. God's not trying to hold that power back from you. It's not like God had a different plan when Jesus was on the earth. And now he's changed plans. And he actually, you know, he's actually using sickness to teach you a lesson. No, just like Jesus never went to a leper and wrapped his arms around him and say, Hey, hey now listen, I know it sucks now. But understand that in all this, God's, God is instructing you in some lesson you would have never have learned had you not had this leprosy. He didn't go to Simon Peter's mother-in-law's house and see her lying sick with a fever and then just go gather the disciples around her and just say, let's just pray that God, that this lesson God's trying to teach her would, would, would be a speedy one. No, every time he saw the sick, the Bible says they brought unto him, hallelujah, they brought unto him those that were sick, them that were blind, them that were deaf, them that were lame, paralyzed, them that were maimed, and the multitudes marveled when they saw the sick healed, when they saw the deaf hearing, when they saw the blind scene when they saw the lame walking when they saw the mute singing when they saw the main made whole and they glorified the God of Israel notice how nobody God didn't get glory while they were sick God didn't get glory while they were diseased God didn't get any glory when they were plagued by pestilence and demonic uh, harassment God's glory is not in you staying on that sick bed God's glory is in you rising up to health and vitality and just like that gathering demoniac when the Bible says after Jesus had delivered him and he was sitting clothed and in his right mind the Bible says that that man said to Jesus I want to follow you wherever you go Jesus said no no you have to go back into the city of Decapolis go back to where you're from go back to your relatives go back to your house go back to your business go back to your school go back to your workplace and tell them what great things 
things the Lord has done for you and how he's had compassion on you. When God does a miracle for you, it doesn't stop there. That miracle, God's intention in that miracle is not just to bless you. First and foremost, it's because he loves you and he wants to bless you. But secondly, God told Abraham, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you a blessing. When God does a miracle for you today, it's not going to stop with you. That miracle is going to overflow. Your children will be blessed. Sickness will lose your home and residential address. It'll lose and lo the location of your address. And the Bible says, as a result of God's healing power in you, goodness and mercy, health, strength. God said, I will restore health unto you. Not I'll heal you when you get sick. I will restore health unto you. So that the next time the devil tries to knock your door and come back in with sickness, come back in with headache, come back in with migraines, come back in with any type of dehabilitating disease. The next time he does that, you can open the door and point to your elder brother Jesus and show him the stripes that are on his back and say, no devil, it's already been paid. And unless you can go and remove the stripes off his back, then you can't lay sickness on me because Satan cannot legally lay on you what God already laid on Christ Jesus. And he bore your sickness. He carried your pains so that you wouldn't have to live a life of tolerating those things, but you can break free. And as you receive, freely you've received, now you can freely give. God's going to do that for you today. If you're just joining right now, just share the broadcast. I mean, it, more people need to hear this. It, I, you know what pains me? It sucks to see people, you know, weird ministers get up and talk about like su such nonsense, nonsense doctrine of like, you know, whatever they heard in a dream or whatever. That's totally not scriptural. And you have like a thousand, thousand live viewers, 1,500, just weird people. And that's what they're feeding into people's spirits. But then you got true doctrine. True doctrine that's going to set men free. A good ambassador is health. And people won't even share the broadcast. Share this broadcast. We need, we, people need to hear this. This might be the difference between someone dying prematurely before their time and then someone living on. Just like David said, I will not die. I will live and declare the works of the Lord. Just like David said, I would have lost heart had I not believed that I'd see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God's not waiting for you to get to heaven before he heals you. God, there's not going to be any need for promises of healing in heaven because there won't be any sickness there. So the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus for us here and now. His divine power has been Stop thinking that God is resisting your advancement. Stop thinking that God is somehow against you getting healed. That, you know, God is the one behind, the, the God's the one, you, you know, that you're fighting to get healed. That you're almost trying to persuade God and tie his arm and just, you know, manipulate him to heal you. God doesn't need to be manipulated for you to be healed. The Bible says if he did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, will he not freely with him give us everything else? God has set a table. He has prepared a table for you. On that table is a menu. And in that menu, 
You can order healing today. And when you order healing, you don't have to wait for an angel to come down and stir up the waters so that you, you know, just like that man in John 5, the pool of Bethesda, when he had to go into the, the waters after the angel had stirred it up and the ones that the first man that jumped in was healed. You don't have to be the first to jump in. You just got to jump in. And it's not waters that were stirred up. It's that Christ took stripes on his back that the blood of Jesus Christ in itself carries enough power to set you free this day we're not waiting for tomorrow we're not waiting for next week we're not waiting we're not reaching forward to the future to try and bring healing to us we're looking back to calvary where healing was already secured for our bodies i want to just run through the three points i did on tuesday and then we're going to finish off with the four. First point i did was you have to understand that it's god's will for you to be healed God's will is for you to not be sick. It is against the plan of God for sickness to be in your life. And unless you think of it that way, you're, never, you're always going to be thinking, like I said before, that you're fighting God for your healing. When you, when you originate, when you find out the origin, the origin of sickness, and understand that God's not behind that, but it's the devil. The thief cometh but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus said, to give you life and life more abundantly. The Bible says in Job chapter 2 verse 7. Everybody likes to quote Job. Well look, you know, God put sickness on Job. That's not doctrinally correct. The Bible says in Job 2 7. That Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with boils. Not God. God didn't send an angel to do that. The Bible says Satan himself went forth to, struck, to strike uh, Job with boils. God wasn't, had, no, had no part to play in that. The Bible says that there was a woman in Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 18, who was bent double and could no way raise herself up. And the Bible says when Jesus saw her there, he said to her, be loosed of that infirmity. And the religious people got mad and said, who do you think you are? Lucy, this is the Sabbath day. And we're not to do any work on the Sabbath. We're not to do any praying for any sick people on the Sabbath. This is the day that's set apart to the Lord. As if the Sabbath was made to keep people bound. Jesus even said, you hypocrites, which of, which of you will not on the Sabbath go, if he sees his, his um, ox that's thirsty, will not go and water, give water to his ox. Or if he sees one of his sheep or goats that's fallen into a ditch, will he not make it a point to lift that goat out of the ditch to make it so that it's comfortable in life? Well, God's not more concerned with oxen and with goats than he is with you and sickness is a ditch that you might have fallen into but you you know that's the thing with the religious world they're always waiting for an appointed day to be saved they're always waiting for just hold on your season's coming god doesn't have seasons for you god has a season that was started two thousand years ago we are in the day the spirit of the lord is upon me J jesus said in luke 4 to uh to, he has anointed me to preach the gospel to to the poor he has anointed me to proclaim release to the captives he has anointed me to set free them that are oppressed and to declare the year of jubilee the year of jubilee was a year when the people of israel had to let every one of their slaves free to go back to where they, they, they came from. It was where there was a total emancipation proclamation that if you were bound as a slave, you were free. If you had land that you had sold as a debt and, and now you're in debt, that land comes back to you and you're free from that debt. That's the year of Jubilee. Jesus came to announce the year of Jubilee that when he, 
Colossians chapter 2. He hath taken out the handwriting of debt, the certificate of debt that was against you, that was contrary to you. He has taken it out of the way. He has nailed it to the cross. And he has now disarmed principalities and and principalities and powers and hath made a public triumph, public show of the devil openly. The devil doesn't get to decide when you die. Satan doesn't have any say in the day you go home to see the Lord. Jesus has the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And I tell you, just like what Paul told the Romans, he said, now the God of grace will soon crush Satan under your feet. That sickness is getting crushed under your feet. Satan has no business in your head. Satan has no business in your arms. Satan has no business in your pancreas. The devil has no business in your your knees. He has no business in your eyes. He has no business in your back. The only place the devil has business with is under your feet you are healed today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ receive that healing now in Jesus mighty name hallelujah God's will is for you to be healed point number one you know it's funny how in James chapter 5 the Bible says that uh, James gave instructions to the church and he said if any among you are sick you are to call the elders of the church and pray over them, anointing them with oil, and the prayer of faith will restore the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. If God was against healing, why would, if all scripture is God-given, inspired of God, God breathed, that God and his word are one. He actually said, I honor my word above all my name. If God and his word are one, and James, by the Spirit, penned those words down, literally said, if anyone's sick, call a healing meeting. And the elders, the elders is not the aged ones in the church. It doesn't mean, well, let's get some 75, 80-year-olds up here and let's, let's have them pray. That's not what the Bible's saying is the elders of the church. The elders are those who've been trained and instructed in, in, in the covenant of God. Those who know how to pray. You can be an 8-year-old kid who knows how to pray for the sick. And I'd consider you an elder over someone who's 75 years old and prays a prayer like, Father, if it be thy will, we just pray, if it be thy will. What are you, blind? uh, Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. The Bible says a leper came to Jesus and fell before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus, before he healed him, corrected his theology and said, I am willing, be made whole. And he touched him and that man was made well immediately. His leprosy was cleansed. Well, God doesn't show any favoritism. God doesn't have a personal favorite child. You are in Christ, his favorite kid. And if God dealt with that leper positively, even before he went to the cross, how much more? If when that man was an enemy, the Bible says in Romans 5, if we as enemies of of God, God still sent his son to go through that, that excruciating cross, the pain he felt going to that cross. If God, if when we were enemies, God did that for us. How much more now that we're reconciled, now that the Jesus has entered into the holy place by the blood of Jesus Christ and has purchased for us eternal redemption, how much more should we boldly, not beggarly, you're not a beggar. If my kid came up to me and said he wanted yogurt or whatever, I wouldn't have to make him jump through hoops. If he's hungry and he needs yogurt, if he's hungry and he needs he needs a chicken meal, whatever it is, I'm not going to make him jump through hoops so he can get 
He can get the food. I love him. We have it in the fridge. It's available. I'm going to take it out, prepare it, and feed him. Because I love him. Well, God loves you. God is not against you. The Bible says, God is for you. The Bible says, God is on my side. He is my helper. Stop thinking that God is like against your advancement. God is a very present help in time of trouble. Remember that. And his divine power has been given to you. That pertains to all things through life and, uh, to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises that through this book called the Bible, we might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of this world. Anytime you're struggling in whatever area, health, finances, your mind, wherever it is, anytime you, you see the devil rise up and you're starting to be dominated in that area, you can know that it's because you haven't built up sufficient power from the scriptures to stand in the day of battle in those areas. Anytime there's a struggle, anytime there's, there's a, a wrestling, anytime there's, there's a, you know, you, anytime sickness comes on you, you can know that you haven't built yourself up in the word of God. Because remember, Proverbs 4, the Bible says that if you'll keep my words in front of your eyes, in ever in the midst of your heart. It'll be life to your flesh and health to all who find it. That's why it's a problem if you're ignorant to the word of God. If you're ignorant, that's why, you know, why are not more people healed from sickness? It's because not many people are taught and preached Bible doctrine concerning their health. But when you understand, number one, that it's God's will for you to be healed. The devil has a hard time keeping you sick because now there's a violence that will rise up in your spirit to counteract. There was a minister who was used mightily by God to cast out devils, to set free addicts that were addicted to drugs, alcohol. and uh, But when it came to like healing physical bodies, he had a hard time. So he went up to T.L. Osborne and he said, I don't know what it is. It seems like it seems like uh, whenever someone comes in who's an alcoholic, you know, I always set them free. Whenever someone comes in who's, who's bound by demons, it, it's not hard. Every time I speak over them the, the name of Jesus and, and pray in faith, they're, they're set free. We have great deliverance services. But every time I pray for the sick, it's like very few times does someone get healed. And T.L. Osborne told him, be, the reason is, is because where do you believe drug addiction and all that stems forth from? Well, he said, without even delay, he said, that's a demon that's assigned to their life to keep them bound. And he said, and, and he said well, then why, how do you pray for them? Because you know it's a demon. How do you pray for them? He said, I pray with a violence. I pray with a hatred for the devil. And that's why, and T.L. Osborne said, that's why they're healed. Where do you think sickness comes from? Well, he said, well, we, don't, we can't really know. We don't know if it's God's will to heal people. We don't know if it's, um, you know, we, we don't really understand why people get sick. And he said, there's the problem. Because you're, the way you pray for the addict to be delivered is because you understand that there's a demon standing behind, holding back, resisting the deliverance of that soul. But when you pray for someone who's sick in their body, you have a harder time to pray in faith because you're not sure where that sickness comes from or whether it's God's will for that person to be healed. And that is why 
You have very few healings in your meetings. And the moment he changed that in himself, he started to have heal healings left, right, and center. I'm telling you, doctrine matters. We don't just do... If doctrine didn't matter, if it was just enough for Jesus to come in and, and that was it, why did Jesus himself in the Bible, Matthew 4, 23 through 25, he taught in their synagogues. Why did he waste time teaching? He preached the gospel of the kingdom. And he healed every kind of sickness and every disease amongst the people. If teaching wasn't important, why, did, why is it that in Acts chapter 14, a man sat crippled at Lystra, an impotent who had never walked. And this man listened to Paul preach intently. And then Paul saw that he had faith to be healed. If preaching wasn't important, why did Paul waste time preaching? Why did Paul say that in mighty signs and wonders, I have fully preached the gospel of Jesus Christ? Goes to show that the, the gospel is not fully preached until there's an explosion of signs and wonders in the meetings where you're preaching. Why did Jesus say, go and preach this gospel? And for too long, we've kept the gospel to just, you're forgiven from sin and your home is in heaven. One day you'll die and meet Jesus. That is great. And if that was all the gospel had, I'd get saved and I'd preach just as hard today. But the gospel has more to that. He didn't just die for your sins to be forgiven. God's will is for you to be supernaturally healthy. How do we know that? Because when he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, which was a type and a shadow of the salvation that would occur through Jesus Christ. When he brought them out of Egypt, Psalm 105, 37, he didn't bring them out empty-handed and he didn't bring them out as a weak, emaciated clan of people, a clan of Jews just wandering through the desert. The Bible says he brought them out with silver and with gold and there was none feeble. Not only was there none sick, there was none feeble amongst all their tribe. Hallelujah. Number one, God's will is for you to be healed. Number two, check up on your promises. I won't go through these ones long. Check up on your promises. Shauna, I'm going to pray for you at the end of this broadcast. You stay on. Because I, I didn't read the comment you wrote that you're going in for surgery tomorrow until after the broadcast. I didn't see it. And we're going to believe God that that thing, if it didn't get done Tuesday, it's going to get crushed today that tumor is withering out in jesus name it made me so angry when i saw that because you're a wonderful lady and if i think you're a wonderful lady imagine how god's feelings are towards you check up on your promises can you can you point to the word of god and identify three promises on which you're standing on not just well i know god will heal me no why will god heal you put me in remembrance god said bring forth your strong reasons from the word of god Lay up his word in your heart. Acquaint thyself with God, the Bible says, and thereby good shall come to you. Number three, check up on your environment. Uh, no, check up on your, your joy level. You got to check up on your, your joy level. On Twitter, Kobe, I'll, I'll pray for you. Dimitri, I'll pray for you at the end of this broadcast. Check up on your joy level. Are you, ha you know, the Bible says a merry heart doeth good like medicine. A merry heart. So if there's <laughs> depression, even modern science has been able to locate that, uh, identify that depression in itself.
causes a spread of disease in the body. Most sicknesses and diseases stem forth from depression. But the Bible says in Psalm 126 that God has brought you out of captivity and he fills your mouth with joy and your lips with joyful singing. And God's going to put a new song in your heart today. Because all the days of the depressed, the Bible says, are evil. But he who is of a merry heart will have a continual feast. You're going to enter into that feast today in Jesus' name. Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Now I'm going to go into the final four. The final four check, uh, checkpoints that you have to make sure are settled in your heart. The final four connections you have to make sure are not loose before the healing power of God will flow from God to you. Number, number four, you have to check up on your life. Check up on your life. What do I mean by that? The Bible says if I regard iniquity, sin in my heart, the Lord would not hear me. Are you born again? Have you put off the old man? Let me read something. Psalm 32. Psalm 32. This is what David said. Verse 3. When I kept quiet about my sin, or when I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all day long. Day and night your hand was heavy on me, and my vitality was turned into the drought of summer. He, he, He said, my vitality, my strength drained away. I had no strength. I had no, no power in my, in my body. I had no, no health. I acknowledged my sin to you, my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I'll confess my sin to you, and you forgave the iniquity of my, of my sin. Now I want you to go to Psalm 31. Psalm 31, verses 10 through 14. Listen to this. Have mercy on me, O Lord. For I am in trouble. My eyes waste away with grief. My soul and my body. If you think sin does not take a toll on the physical body, you're greatly deceived. The Bible says that man that Jesus healed at the pool of Bethesda, after he healed him, he went and found where he was. And he told him, now that you've been made well, sin no more, lest a worse thing come on you. Jesus said, when an unclean spirit leaves a man's body or his life, he goes and finds more seven more spirits more wicked than he. And he goes and he tries to enter into the house from which he came. And the way he has access back in is through sin. Sin opens up a portal for demonic harassment in your soul and your body. Be sure your sins will find you out, Joshua proclaimed. The wages of sin is death. And sickness is a means to death. There was no sin in Eden. And there was no sickness in Eden. Death came as a result of sin. The reason why? Jesus didn't have any sickness on the earth. There wasn't a chapter where he had to like stay back on his tour of Capernaum. Because he had contracted you know, some flesh eating bacteria. And he needed some time to recuperate. No. The reason why there was no There was no sickness in him. was because there was no sin in him. And I'm not talking about, you know, you messed up today. And, uh, you know, but you repented of that sin. 
I'm not saying now, now you should watch out because you're probably going to get sick in the next week. I'm not, I'm not talking like that. That, when, that type of doctrine, and there's people who preach that. The moment you sin, you should expect sickness to come on. That, that, that just breeds fear. You can know it's not of God because it just gets you, it gets you fearful. It makes you afraid. I'm talking about unrepented sin. People, things that, you, you know, if you're still a recovering alcoholic after 18 years of being a Christian, you're still bound by that thing. And until you shut the door on sin, the door will continue to be open that will bring in and usher in weakness, frailty, infirmity in your body. Listen to this. My life is spent with grief. My years would sign. My strength fails because of my iniquity. My strength fails because of my iniquity. He's talking about sin that he hadn't dropped. You know, the Bible says, if you've been crucified with Christ, then your flesh and your passions, your worldly lusts, should also be crucified with Christ. When you get born again, the Bible says he takes out your heart of stone. He puts a new heart of flesh that is eager to walk after God's commandments. If you're still lusting for the things you used to lust for, you still have an appetite, an insatiable appetite for those things. You need to get delivered. It's not normal for you to battle the same sin 10 years after you get saved. Goodness, it's not normal for you to battle the same sin. Three, if you go to a good church where the Holy Ghost is flowing, you should... <laughs> The power of God. The Bible says it. When Samson's ropes had tied him up, when the fire of God came on him, the ropes burnt by fire and he was free. A man's sins are like ropes that tie a man down. But when the fire of God falls, those ropes are burnt as of fire and you're no longer bound or dominated. Sin no longer carries dominion over you that you should obey it in its lust. If you, if you have something in your life where you feel like, and I just can't stop doing it, there's a demon behind that. I'm not saying you, you, you screwed up today and you, you, know, you need help. I'm talking about you can't stop. Pornography addiction. I can't stop. There's a demon of lust driving you to that. Alcohol. There's a, 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 a spirit of immorality and drunkenness that's tied to that thing, that's driving you to those things. But the good news is, you don't have to be driven by those things anymore. The Bible says, hallelujah, the Son of God was made manifest to destroy the work of the devil. Part of why Jesus came was not just, that's the thing with the Old Testament covenant, was that the blood of goats and oxen, it could only cover sin. It couldn't break them out of sin. It couldn't take out the sin nature. But in Christ, we are a new creature. The old is passed away. Paul said it this way. It's no longer I who lives. Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live. The Bible says, whom you present yourself as a slave to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of righteousness leading to life. When you came to Christ, you put on a new yoke on, on your neck. You carry in a new burden. It's not the burden of sin. It's Christ's burden. And the Bible says, come unto me, all that are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke. It is easy and my burden which is light. 
The blood of a goat could not help you. The blood of, a, of, a, of a, an ox could not help you. The sprinkling of the ashes of a heifer could not help you. But Jesus Christ partook of flesh and blood that through death he might deliver us from the power of him who had the power of death and to allow us to cleanse our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. In the name of Jesus Christ, whatever is holding you down, whatever has been resisting you from walking in righteousness, walking in holiness, walking in God's ways, it's like just obeying God feels like you have to like travel land and sea to do it. If it's a hard burden. It's not supposed to... Let me tell you, as someone who used to feel that way, and then God broke me free from learning proper doctrine I tell you it's not supposed to be a life of battles and valleys God has a plan for you to go from glory to glory from strength to strength from victory to victory Paul said that I forget those things which are behind that I might know him in the power of his resurrection that power there is no chain hell has forged that the power of his word can't break off your life today the bible says those who sat in chains bound by shackles and irons of fetter have seen a great light they called unto him in their distress he heard them and he broke their chains and fetters of iron god will set you free today but you have to understand that until until you break free from unrepented sin you, you, you'll never have, you'll never get healed. It'll just be a wish you have in your heart, but it'll never be a reality you experience today uh, in, your, in your life. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Jesus told that man at the pool of Bethesda. Lest a worse thing, unrepented sin, if you think it's bad now, if you don't repent, I'm not talking about asking for forgiveness and then continuing therein. I'm talking about repent, metanoia, a change no longer following the patterns of this world. Let the unrighteous man forsake his way and the wicked man his thoughts. And God will abundantly pardon. Here's the good news. So there's the negative part of it. Not the negative. It's all positive. But there's the part that, you know, people don't like to hear. But the good thing is, is that when God forgives you, He wipes out your consciousness of sin also. That's the beauty of the blood of Jesus Christ. Is that you don't... One, I'm telling you, a major reason people don't get healed is because they carry a consciousness of their sin. They're always thinking of themselves as wretched human beings, condemned to... You know, even though we'll make it to heaven by the skin of our teeth, as if the sacrifice of Christ was not enough. That we have to live as... as, as in self-pity and loathe loathing ourselves the rest of our days you know that that sin consciousness the bible says in first uh, john 3 that your heart can condemn you and as such it actually restrains you from receiving answers from god that's why the bible says therefore there is now no condemnation for those that are in christ jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit there's no condemnation so when you ask the lord to forgive you today when you decide in your heart, I'm repenting, I'm turning, I'm going to walk in God's ways. Don't, don't self-pity and loathe in the mistakes of your past. If any man is in Christ, the old is passed away. He blots out thy sins and he buries them in the sea of forgetfulness. 
The devil's the accuser of the brethren. You really think you can be healed after everything you've done? You really, after what you did last night, you think God's going to heal you now? That's what people told me when I had OCD. They, they, they told me, you know, after the lifestyle you live, this is only natural that God would train you up like this. People told me that. This was Paul's thorn in your flesh, lest you be exalted above measure. You know how many times I've heard, you know, he died of that sickness, but who knows what he would have done had he not died. Perhaps God was sparing him so that he would make heaven at least. Even though he died sick, at least he's in heaven. Who knows if he, had, if he would have backslid. Really, if that's the case, why don't we all just die the moment we get saved in case we backslide? Let me tell you, the blood of Jesus is not only powerful enough to draw you to Christ, but to keep you in Christ. Jesus said, the one who comes to me, I will never cast out. So, you know, people have a hard time forgetting their past. And they keep, that keeps them bound, preventing them from going into the future that God has for them. Always dwelling on mistakes, on sins that they did. In 1998, man, I'll never get over. You know, some of you have had, have, you've had abortions and you're believing for the fruit of the womb. You're believing for the fruit of the womb and you're thinking because now you're having a hard time have, conceiving and you're thinking maybe it's because of the abortion I had that I'm not able to conceive. And you're still thinking on it. Let me tell you, as far as the east is from the west, so is your sin blotted from his sight. If God doesn't remember it, why do you keep bringing it up? The next time the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future, that a lake of fire awaits him for eternity. Start to confess what the Bible says about you, and it'll put a confidence in you. When you're receiving from God, you know, if you think God's angry at you, and God's like, just like David said, my bones waste away, I'm a reproach among all my enemies, I've even become repulsive to my acquaintances. If you continue to think that way, old you know, David wrote that in the Old Testament. He didn't have the blood of Jesus. He had the blood of an, a natural goat. But we've been redeemed, not by perishable items of silver and gold, but that by, by, by the precious blood of a lamb without spot or wrinkle. When you got saved... It's as if you had, you're justified. Just if I never sinned. You have a clean, come let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, I'll make them white as wool. White as wool. Jesus said, come, buy from me white raiments that the shame of your nakedness would not be revealed. Adam tried to repair his own past by fastening uh, 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 garments of Fig leaves sewn together. He tried to repair his own past. He tried to rid him of his sin consciousness. He knew he had felt he had done something wrong. He knew he had sinned against God. And he tried to take things into his own hands. But when God saw him, he I immediately saw past those fig leaves and said, what is this that you have done? But then he said, Eve, there'll be enmity between you and the serpent. And then he looked at the serpent and he said, because you've done this, more cursed are you than any of the beasts of the field. And though you have bruised man's heel, you put a, wheel, a stick in man's wheel, 
There will be one who comes from man's, that man's seed who will crush your head and undo everything you just did. That's why Paul said, you're no longer to regard yourself as human beings. No longer to regard yourself as just saved sinners. You're not a saved sinner. You're not a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner. You've been saved by grace. You now are clothed in God's righteousness. There's nothing that separates you before God. That's why Paul said in the Ephesian letter, we have such boldness. That's why in the Hebrews chapter 10, it says having boldness to enter into the holy place by the blood of Jesus. The blood is the passport to approach God's throne today. Though your sin might have kept you bound in your past, you can now approach the God of glory and of grace. And no good will he with good thing will he withhold from you as you walk uprightly from this day onward. Number four, check up on your walk. Stop living in sin consciousness and start living in a righteousness consciousness. Number five, check up on your environment. You have to check up on your environment. Are you going to a church that tells you that here are seven reasons why God is keeping you sick? Maybe God's trying to teach you. Perhaps the days of miracles are gone. If you're going to a church like that, you got to stop going to that church. Because, you you know, it bugs me. Because a lot of people, they when they need a miracle in their body, they leave the church, the church they attend mostly and regularly. They go to another church where the power of God's at work. And then when they get the miracle, they go back to the church where, nothing, where they never receive a thing. And they stay there because, you know, my grandparents went there, our great-great-grandparents, you know, our children, they have friends there and they're in daycare and, you know, they've developed some friendships over the years. So what? Well, you see, you know, it's funny how people, they organize their life around their job rather than around a good church. Well, you know, we used to go to a Holy Ghost church, but we had to move to this town and because uh, my husband got an offer on a job and, you know, you're going to sacrifice your family, your children, not living in the fire of God. What matters in eternity? A million years from now, you're going to look back and you're not even going to care about the extra 30000 a year that promotion gave you. But you're going to care about where your kids are. What they believe. That's another story. But check up on your environment when it comes to healing. If you have people that you talk to and every time you talk to them, they discourage, they're always arguing why, you know, arguing your stance on divine healing and your doctrine on divine healing. And they're always trying to resist you on that. Why continue? The Bible says don't take part in empty fables, idle tales. Don't engage in, in stupid debates with brainless men. Just stick to yourself. Don't hang around people that belittle healing. Quit associating with people who will discourage you from getting healed. Instead, make it like you did today. You tuned into a broadcast. You know, in this day and age, it's so easy to be encouraged. I have this thing called an iPhone. Every time, every time I need to hear on healing. I need to hear something on, you know, provision. I need to hear something on holiness. Whatever it is, whatever doctrine 
It's not like in olden days. You have to wait till someone came to town or wait till Sunday when the next church service was. You can pull up a YouTube service. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. And you have like 50 videos, at least 50 videos, 40, 50 videos. That'll encourage your faith. You'll never hear anything discouraging coming from this mouth. Because the Bible says a good ambassador brings health. So you know that if he's bringing discouragement concerning health, your health, your vitality, your strength, don't hang around people that sympathize with your sickness. Hang around people who will strengthen your backbone in your resistance. And as you resist the devil, he will flee. No corrupt word comes out of this mouth. Only such as is good for necessary edification. I'm a God-ordained agent on the earth to impart grace to them that hear it. That's what Ephesians 4 says. The Bible says the tongue of the wise promotes health. So if you're around someone who's not promoting health, you know, there's better things to gain than health and worse things to lose. People that belittle health, they don't promote health. The Bible says they're fools because the tongue of the wise promotes health. I don't get it. Why ministers will like, instead, you know, you have someone in a ditch of sickness, instead of throwing them a, a pillow and some fruit, food to give them comfort in the storm, why don't you do what Jesus, Jesus didn't go around reading Hallmark cards to those that were sick, trusting that at least, at least that, um, at least they'll have some sort of uh, peace in, in, in all of this. He didn't read Hallmark cards, wipe away their tears. You know, you go to altars in some church services and all they have is like 40 tissue boxes, tissue boxes where they just wipe people's tears away, blow each other's nose, but there's no power. Jesus told his disciples, and I'm a disciple, and you're a disciple if you believe. Not, he didn't tell his evangelists. He didn't tell his apostles. He told his disciples. As you go, preach the gospel. Heal the sick. That task, that mandate to heal the sick is just as important as preaching the gospel. Miriam, I'm confused. I've been told that physical healing isn't given to everyone on the earth and that we must trust God's wisdom. Is this not true? Absolutely it's not true. And believing like that, go and show me people. I guarantee if you tell me whoever told you that, I don't want to know. But I'm saying, if you, if you told me whoever told you that, I can guarantee you he's never had anybody healed in his meetings. Never seen anybody sick recover. He's never had it. There was a guy in Pennsylvania. His wife, his wife died of cancer. And he didn't go to the church. He, he thought that God was behind that cancer. God had killed his wife pretty much. He never went to the church before and he certainly wasn't going to go after. I went to preach a week of meetings there and someone invited him. Just give it a try. Just test it out. So they invited this guy to come in and I preached on how God is not the author of sickness. God's the author of healing. God's not the one behind sickness. He's the destroyer of storms. He's not the causative of uh, power behind a storm. And as he did, that was what drew him to Christ. That was what drew him to Christ. You notice how doctrine like that repels people from Christ, from hearing more things? They don't want to hear anything about it because it's not God's nature. God's nature is love. Sickness nature is hate. 
That's how you can know it's not of God. Anyways, I'm not going to dwell too much on that. Check up on your environment. Number five, important. So important. If you're just joining me, I would encourage you to share the broadcast. Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. This is so important. This, I'm telling you, nine times out of ten, when people get this dealt with in their life, it's like turning on a light switch. The healing just goes on. And they break free. There was a, uh, I'll tell you after. Mark 11. Whosoever will say unto this mountain, sickness is a mountain you're facing. And the Bible says, whosoever uh, says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he'll have whatever he says. Therefore I say unto you, whatever things you, you ask when you pray, believe that you have received it and it will be given to you. And whatever you, whenever you stand praying. So it talks about how to operate and how to release your faith. But then it tells you something on which faith depends on. That your faith will actually produce nothing it'll produce no power in your life unless you get this solved in your life first whenever you stand praying if you have anything against anyone if you have anything against anyone forgive him forgive him forgive him forgive her no but you don't understand what he did to me forgive him you want to die no? So forgive him. At least do it for yourself. You have a hard time carrying a, uh, me carrying a grudge with you. I don't care what you've done to me. And just because you forgave someone, it, it, doesn't, ma it doesn't mean you have to like, you know, spend every day of the week with them. Just forgive them. And don't put yourself in the same place where they can screw with you again. But forgive them. Release them. He that refuses to forgive, refuses to travel on the bridge which he himself must, must travel on. He that refuses to forgive, sorry, he that refuses to forgive burns down the bridge on which he himself must travel on. That's what it is. He that refuses to forgive burns down the bridge on which he himself must travel on. If you, let's read on. If you don't forgive, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. And if you're not forgiven, you're still in your sin. And the Bible says that um, who, whoever covers his sin will not prosper. Whoever covers his sin will not prosper. Bible says faith worketh by love. Bible says he that repays evil for good, evil will never depart from his life. What does that mean? Remember how it says, if you have anything against anyone. There's some people who you have a grudge against someone who's not done anything to you. But because of envy and jealousy, you have a grudge in your heart towards that person. You hate them. Can't stand to be around them. The Bible says, he that repays evil for good. They've not even done anything towards you. But you're repaying evil for good. The Bible says that trouble will never depart from his house. And your body is the house of your spirit and your soul. It'll not leave. Unforgiveness clogs up the healing power of God from reaching your way. The cruel man, the Bible says, troubles his own flesh. 
troubles his own flesh. Refusal to forgive is refusal to be healed. But once you, there was a lady in Shattergate, she had like depression, crazy depression, suicidal thoughts, taking all kinds of medicine. And she had been to healing meeting after healing meeting, and she never got healed. We went and preached throughout the week. She didn't get healed. She kept coming, trying, believing God for healing, never got healed. My wife went up to her with someone else and started to talk to her. And that lady started to just empty out her feelings toward, towards like her, I think it was her, her parents or her father or something like that. Just had a grudge towards her father, hated him, never wanted anything to do with him. After everything he had done in her past, wished he was dead, just like, Bad thoughts towards And so my wife and that lady that were talking to, to her said, well, there's your problem. Forgive, release that, and you'll see God will heal you tonight. I tell you, the moment she released that man in, from her spirit, genuinely, I forgive you. I'm not going to hate. Hate is too great a burden to bear. Choose to love. Martin Luther King said that. The moment she did, she... She was set free from that depression. And to this day, years after, I, was kept, I kept in contact with her. Still happy. Still joyful. No longer taking her Prozac. No longer not because she was by faith not taking her medicine. She didn't have to take medicine. God had healed her body. Number six, check up on your love walk. You're forgive, if you're walking in unforgiveness. And number seven, the final thing that I'm going to talk and address today. Check up on your confession. Check up on your confession. No matter how great of faith you have when you pray for healing, when you pray to receive healing in your body, if you leave your prayer closet and speak words that contradict God's will concerning your physical health, you will negate the effect of that prayer. Never let a word out of your mouth that contradicts God's word concerning you. Your confession will either make or break you. Your confession will either usher you in to God's promise in your life or will set you back into further disaster and destruction. Monitor your confession. David said, set a guard over my lips. Keep watch over the door of my mouth. How you speak matters to God. When Jesus was about to go and raise Lazarus from the dead, and Mary and Martha came to her, my brother is dead, and they were weeping. Jesus said, weep not. Your brother will rise again. Before he even gave the command for Lazarus' body to rise again, he was already letting out a confession. Your brother will rise again. The doctor might have given you a report, but you get to choose what confession, what report you dis, that you, you let out of your mouth. And the Bible says we're to hold fast the confession of our faith. That's right, Lisa. Confession brings possession. And possession of things, whether good or bad. Your confession will either bring a possession of worse things in your life or it will usher in 
God's bountiful blessing into your life of healing and strength. The, that's why Joel says, let the weak say, I am strong. It doesn't say, let the strong say, I'm strong. That's why the assemblies of God, they had written a position paper. Tackle, uh, uh, aggressively attacking the power of words. And they were re relegating it to mean like Christian signs. Like, you know, these people are just telling you that if you'll speak, if you'll just speak a positive future, that it'll, it'll come to pass. And we, they were trying to debunk that, that doctrine of scripture. I didn't say that. I just read it. Whosoever will say. You read Mark, 20, Mark 11, 23. The word say is mentioned three times. The word believe is, is written once. Whoever shall say unto this mountain. One. Be thou removed and be cast into the sea. And does not doubt in his heart. But believes. So belief. One. That those things which he says. Two. He will have whatever he says three. Believe once, say three times. Kenneth Hagin was told by the Lord. You notice how it said three times? I, I, I said the word say and only once I said believe? Because you are to teach on saying three times more than you, than you teach on believing with the heart. I want you to get this. Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. Verse at Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking intently, and Paul observing that he had faith to be healed. So the man had faith to be healed. That's why you hear people that say, I, Brother, I have all the faith in the world. You can have all the faith in the world, but if your faith has no works, it is dead. And the work of faith is in your confession and in your actions. He had faith to be healed. But notice how he wasn't healed. Notice how even though the man had faith to be healed. That's why faith by itself. <laughs> James said, show me, show me your faith by your, by your works. Show me your faith by your works. Because people were saying, well, I have faith and you have works. Okay, show me your faith by the works that you do. By the words. 2 Corinthians 4.13 We have in the same spirit of faith We believe, therefore we speak Mark chapter 5 That woman with the issue of blood She said to herself If I can just touch the hem of his garment Your faith will always take vocal expression That's why you got to check up on your confession Though he had faith to be healed when did he get healed? When Paul said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And the man didn't stay there lame and paralyzed and say, well, I'm believing for healing. When I feel it, I'll get up. No. Even though I don't feel anything right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call those things which be not as though they were. I'm not going to talk about how I feel. I'm going to talk about God's highest reality of the word of God. I'm not going to discuss my feelings. Notice how discussing your feelings does not bring possession of God's, God's blessing. Matter of fact, every time you discuss your feelings, all you're doing is garnering man's sympathy. But man's sympathy can't heal you. doesn't matter how bad you feel. 
about a cancer patient. It doesn't matter, matter how bad you feel about someone who's homeless on the street begging for bread to make ends meet this day so he can eat tonight. It doesn't matter how bad you feel unless you give to that person. You won't help him at all. In the same vein, God can help. God does not help you based on how many tears you cry. God helps you based on your faith that is turned loose in the direction of where you're needing help. Confession brings possession. I'm glad you wrote that. I have someone that I know. I won't say his name. I know someone who, who has real problems in their body. I'm talking about real problems. System is shutting down. And before things got really bad for him, when the doctor had given him an initial report, I remember him sitting in my living room and telling me, you know, I really believe because I've been getting closer to God, the devil's on my back. Devil's out to get me. He's just angry because I've, I've you know, because of the way I'm serving God. You know, it's really just religious piety. He's trying to, it's pride. It's pride. It's people trying to puff themselves up to show you that they're greater than what they really are. You know, the Bible says, David said it in the book of Psalms. By this I know that you are well pleased with me, God, because my enemy does not triumph over me. Having increased attack against your life is not a sign of increased piety and religious devotion. Get that crap out of your, your life. You know, when you start to serve God, let me tell you, devil's going to make the flame of hell even hotter. I'll tell you, if you felt you had sickness before, when you start to serve God, it'll come on you like a rushing wind. No. Bible doesn't say Jonah was in a storm because he was serving God on his way to Nineveh. The Bible says the storm came when he went against the will of God and he went the opposite direction. But when he went towards the will of God, that whale, that fish, spat him back out. And then the storm subsided on the boat that he was on. The storm, the storm went away. Bible doesn't say because Joseph's increased devotion, you know, he got sold into slavery and he died a slave. No, he kept moving forward. He prospered and continued prospering until he was very prosperous. Genesis 38. It's pride. And the Bible says, let no man cheat you of your reward through false humility. And he kept talking about how humble he was. You know, devil's out to get me. Seems like I got the devil on the run. The only problem is, is it's me he's running after. People say such stupid stuff. Does it say draw near unto God? Resist the devil? And he'll, he'll still penetrate and make life a living hell for you? Or does it say resist the devil and he'll flee from you? Which if you study the original language, it says it, he will run as if in terror from you. Put the flight. I will cry out, David said, and my enemy shall turn back. This I know, for God is with me. Not my enemy will continue pressing in. My enemy will turn back. When the anointing came on David, did the anointing give him power to take a bigger beating from Goliath? That you know what? Even though he wasn't, 
You know, even though he got a big beating by Goliath's hands, he never died. You know, that's what the anointing does. Even though the devil knocks you left, right, and center, you won't die. You'll, you'll still be found standing at the end. No! Bible says by that anointing, he cut Goliath's head off and made sure he never rose again. I tell you, as the anointing of God comes alive in your body today, the power of the Lord present to heal you, it'll not only break you free from that sickness that the doctor said you'll have to have and endure the rest of your life. Not only will it break you free from it, that thing will never be found in your body another day from today onward in the name of Jesus Christ. Watch your confession. People's Instagram posts reveal what's in their heart. You know, the Bible says, as in water face reflects face, so a man's heart reveals the man. And out of the abundance of the heart, the, the mouth speaks. Your confession reveals what's in your heart. So if your confession is off, today's not a beating trying to put you down. You know, you're just a miserable Christian. No, start to feed on God's promises. Let this overflow in your heart to the point where you're not trying to confess. You just naturally David Oyedepo, his wife came home from the doctors once and said, uh, David, we, we've suffered a miscarriage. She was pregnant. A couple of months pregnant. We suffered a miscarriage. I lost the baby. You know what he said? It cannot be. Can I have my food, please? It was supper time. You know what happened? At the set time that that child was supposed to be born, she, she, she gave birth to that same child miscarriage was reversed when you start to talk like that re irreversible situations doctors saying we're gonna have to take that organ out doctors saying there'll never be a cure for this even the things that are impossible in man's standards even the unchangeable situations of life get reversed by the force of faith Lazarus was dead he didn't need healing he was dead he didn't have blood pressure problems he had no blood pressure. He didn't have a tumor in his brain. He had no brain power. He had nothing working. He didn't have, you know, nerve damage. He had no nerves functioning at all. But Jesus said, your, your brother will rise again. Lazarus, come forth. I'm here to tell you, whatever died in your organs, whatever's died in your eyes, macular degeneration, Nerve damage, optical damage, retinas, uh, tissue is just corroded. Organs that you've even lost, kidneys, knees, that the tissue of your knees is just rubbing down where you can't walk the way you used to walk and you used to like running, you can't run anymore. Your feet are like flat and it causes you pain in your back. Your brain Causing all, all kinds of, you know, headaches. Always having migraines. In the name of Jesus Christ. It gets reversed today. I rebuke those things in your body. Shauna, specifically for you. That tumor dies now. I rebuke it and I command it to dry up. By divine decree. For he gave me power to bless and to curse. I bless you with healing and I curse sickness out of your life in the name of Jesus Christ. Be healed right now. Lift up your hands, Shauna, wherever you're at, and just start to thank God. 
There won't be anything the doctors have to take out, take out of you. It's already dealt with. Just like, just like Adam, when God wanted to make wom a woman, he took a rib from his, from his rib cage. Adam went into a deep sleep and an invisible hand went through his, his, uh, his, his rib area and performed surgery. God's word is surgical. It restores, it repairs. And that surgical knife, the sword of the spirit is going into your body right now. And it's cutting that thing off your, off your body. You will not die. This thing will not spread. This thing is nipped at the bud right now in Jesus' name. For everyone else, I told you that I would be praying for the sick today. I want you to list, write it out. Write out what you're believing God for in your body. And I'm going to pray for you uh, as I close up this broadcast. If it's something in your, you know, just write it out. Blood pressure problems. You know, let me read something. Esther, I'm going to pray. Let me read something. I'm going to show you four areas where there's sickness in the body of man. I'm going to show you how Jesus dominated in all four areas. Matthew chapter 8. When he had come down, great multitudes followed him. And a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus put out his hand and said, I am willing, be thou made clean. And he was cleansed immediately. Number one, leprosy, which has to do with diseases of the flesh, things that eat away at the structural part of man. So, you know, bone tissue, bone marrow, whatever it is, um, eczema, dryness of skin, flesh eating disorders, whatever it might be. Jesus dominated diseases that had to do with affecting man's structural part of his body. Bone problems, broken bones. There was a guy in, in uh, Dominican Republic. He had broken his arm. The day of the crusade, when we had started our crusades there, the day, the night of, he comes with a big cast on, pain. I called him up, put, laid my hands on him, prayed for him, the prayer of faith, which the prayer of faith is not, God, please heal me. The prayer of faith is, God, I thank you that by his stripes this man is healed. That moment, the fire of God touched his arm. He, he cut off his cast. The, night, the next night came forward. I took his arm, which had been broken the day before, fractured in two or three places, and I twisted his arm. And I said, you better be praying you're telling the truth because I, this is going to really hurt. Before everyone, hundreds of people. And I twisted his arm. And God had totally restored his arm. Jesus dominates. Sickness, disease, or problems... Of the structural part of man, the tissue, bone tissue, the flesh, anything, skin disorders. Number two, Jesus had entered the Capernaum and uh, a centurion came to him pleading with him. Lord, my servant is lying at home, dreadfully paralyzed. Come and lay hands on him and he'll be healed. Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. The centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but just speak the word and my servant will be healed. For I'm a man under authority. I have soldiers. There you go. Confession. Just speak the word and my servant will be healed. Well, brother, how do you feel today? You know what you do? Instead of confessing your symptoms, you just confess what God, you can never go wrong confessing God's word for yourself. I thank you that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hey, brother, how do you feel today? I feel like I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. I think, I feel like I, I'm, a, I'm more than a conqueror. I feel like I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. How do you feel today? 
Brother, sister, I feel like I can run through a troop and I can leap over a wall. Brother, I feel like I, I can do all things. I mean, just confess the word of God. How do you feel today? Well, I feel like I, by his stripes I'm healed. How do you feel today? Brother, I feel like God is my strength and my salvation. I feel like he is the strength of my life. I feel like there's nothing I can't do. Just confess God's word. And you'll see that your feelings will start to line up with your confession. Jesus heard it. He marveled and said, I have not such, did he rebuke the centurion? No, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you, Go your way as you have believed, so let it be done for you. What was his problem? The, the servant was lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. That's referring to diseases of the neural system. Sickness in the neural system and uh, uh, the brain's ability to function. Even anxiety and stuff like that. That has a physiological source to it. Jesus dominated the area. Of, uh, of, of diseases of the nerves and the central nervous system. Fibromyalgia, multiple cirrhosis. You know, what's that disease? That ALS. The Bible says Jesus dominated in that area. Number three, Simon Peter's mother-in-law had a fever, which fever dis talks about diseases of the blood. Fever has its... Um, it's source in the blood. The origin is in the blood. So AIDS, blood pressure problems, blood cancers, low blood count, low blood cells. There was a lady that watches this often. I don't know if she's on right now. She had low platelets in her bloodstream. God supernaturally touched her body without the use of medication or any doctor's help. And she, she, she was totally restored. And then number four, the Bible says he cast out the spirits with a word. Any other disease that's not even found listed in this book, demon-caused diseases, satanically inspired sicknesses. Now let me read. Please pray for my four-year-old nephew. He has only one kidney. He's not growing properly as he grows. We're going to pray for that. My feet and knee... Esther, I pray first and foremost, I pray that the recreative power of God would go right into that little boy's body and that a, where there was no kidney, I speak a kidney back into existence in Jesus' name. How manifold are thy works, O God, through thy wisdom thou hast made them all. The wisdom of God is the word of God. And I send that word into his body to recreate. God's word is recreative. By faith, we understand that the worlds were created by the word of God. Because I pray a kidney appears where there was no kidney. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. And I didn't preach this whole time. An hour and 27 minutes. To just give you good doctrine. Good doctrine. A good ambassador brings health. The kingdom of God is not in word only. But in power. We're believing God. That his power is invading your body right now. And that which was dysfunctional. Every pain. Every symptom. All weakness. Let the weak say I am strong. That, that strength is coming back into your system. 
in the name of Jesus Christ. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.